and welcome to the Mac Fraser podcast, where we cast all the pods. Yeah, okay. Still don't have a tagline. Still don't have a theme song. And uh, I'm still mostly doing this as an exercise in consistency. I'm trying to build up the habit of recording uh, roughly the same day every week. And uh, at some point, I may end up nuking all this stuff and you know, launching with well-thought-out episodes and things like that. And uh, eh, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll leave, you know, a trail of uh, mishmash in my wake as I eventually get this podcast on course. In the meantime, I hope you've been enjoying it so far. Um, Those of you that like my uh, musings on various topics, I'm sorry we're not doing that today. Those of you that miss the novel chapters. That's what we're doing today. Um, I have something I could have shared with you all, but I don't know. I wasn't super happy with it. And uh, so I'm just going to kind of go back and forth on these two things for now. Um, So if for whatever reason you are still listening, here it is, chapter four of an untitled novel. Before getting back to his email, James poured himself and drank a tall glass of water then walked back across the house toward his bedroom. When he got there, he tossed his wallet, keys, and phone on the unmade bed. Then he grabbed shorts, underwear, and a t-shirt from a laundry basket on the floor and stepped into the adjoining bathroom. He turned on the shower, threw his Tai Chi uniform on the floor, and waited for the water to get warm. As he waited, he thought more about what his next move would be. He definitely needed to start on another job. His main goal in life right now was to keep putting together a new, normal life. It wasn't just that Sandra's death had left a huge hole in him. The manner of her death, the shocking, sudden incongruity of it all, had also contributed to his world falling apart. Tomorrow was the first anniversary of her death. As James got into the shower, he tried not to remember. He'd been on a trip back to Pittsburgh on business when it happened. When he got the call from the Austin police, he'd felt strangely calm, like a large part of his mind disconnected when he heard that she'd been found murdered. After he'd hung up, though, everything came flooding in, like multiple powerful emotions were all crashing into one another, trying to be first to arrive in his consciousness. Now, almost a year later, the pain wasn't gone, but it had transformed. Instead of open agony, all he had now was a dull, throbbing ache that came and went. Keeping busy helped him to not feel that ache. It kept him occupied. He felt a little guilty about wanting to forget, but reliving that past was too painful to bear. No, he had to move forward. Part of moving forward meant continuing to build his technology consulting practice, and that meant he had to get going on the next job without delay. The database job was straightforward. It could lead to more work down the road. And it was boring. And right now, he needed boring. James actually smiled a little. He was starting to look forward to boring but predictable. It felt like a good plan after what he'd been through. Done showering, James turned off the water. His phone was ringing in the bedroom. He quickly grabbed a towel and walked from the bathroom to the bedroom and grabbed the phone off the bed. It was the same 504 area code that had called earlier. He answered it. Hello, this is James. James McConnell. It was a woman. Her voice had an interesting complexity to it. It reminded James of a cello. Yes, that's me. How can I help you? Mr. McConnell, my name's Bridget Stone. I work for Nicholas Stavros. 
<clears throat> James cleared his throat. Ah, well, Mrs. Stone, Mr. McConnell, I'll get right to the point. Mr. Stavros's schedule has changed and he needs to be on a plane late this afternoon. Are you doing anything at 1130 this morning? Well, no, actually. Excellent, Mr. Stavros. We'll meet you for an early lunch at 1130 at Wero's on South Congress. Do you know the place? I do, said James. Wero's was a trendy Mexican restaurant popular with visiting politicians and local celebrities. Good tacos. But, Ms. Stone, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I've decided I am not, after all, interested in your employer's offer. Don't be silly, Mr. McConnell. You haven't even heard Mr. Stavros's offer. James was brought up short. Well, that's true. And you did say you aren't doing anything at 11.30. Yeah, I did say that, but we're not asking you to commit to anything other than a free meal and an interesting conversation. What's the worst that could happen? James had to admit she had him there. I suppose you're right, Ms. Stone. Excellent. Mr. Stavros will be very happy to hear you are coming then. He will meet you there at 11.30 sharp. Fine, I'll meet him for lunch. But first, you have to tell me at least something of what this is all about. Mr. Stavros will explain it all himself, Mr. McConnell. This woman was getting annoying. But I don't even know who Stavros is. What kind of work does he do, other than employ aggressive personal assistance? There was a pause on the other end of the line. James immediately regretted the jab. Not because it didn't feel true, but this was a weird way to start a professional relationship. Finally, she spoke again. The rich, resonant tone of her voice actually sounded a touch warmer. I think I like you, Mr. McConnell but I have other business to attend to. Tell me that you will be there. I'll be there. Good. Don't be late. And with that, she hung up. James stood there a moment, holding his phone. What was he getting into? Shaking his head, he saved Bridget Stone's number as a new entry in his phone's contact list, then tossed the phone back on the bed. He finished drying off and started to get dressed. What had just happened? That phone conversation had felt like arguing with the tide. He wasn't really sure how he felt about it, other than that this only further supported the vague sense of things being not quite right. Instead of the shorts and t-shirt that had been his standard outfit these past several months, he pulled a pair of good jeans from his closet, as well as one of his fitted button-down shirts. If it turned out this job was one he was interested in, he didn't want to make a bad impression on Stavros. But did he even want the job? On the one hand, he wanted some sort of job to occupy himself with, and he wanted to keep earning money so he wouldn't have to draw down his savings any further. And so far, this felt like something that would always keep him on his toes. But really, did he want an adventure? Because that's what this sounded like. It was all so mysterious. International travel, a rich and eccentric client with a smoky voice but annoying assistant, no actual details about the job itself? No, this was too weird. James did not need weird in his life. He needed normal. He needed boring. James would go eat lunch with Stavros, but then he would politely let him know that he wasn't interested. The rest of the morning passed slowly for James. He went online to the job posting site and sent a message to the California company that had listed the database job, letting them know he was interested. After that, he went out for a walk in his neighborhood. It was October, but the temperature outside was in the high 70s today. It had been in the low 80s the previous week. Pretty typical for Austin. 
The colder weather would come soon, but for now, things were really pleasant. When he got back to his empty house, it was only 10.15. Getting downtown and then across the river to South Congress would only take him 20 minutes or so at this time of day, but he had nothing else to do, so he decided to just leave the house locked, get in his car, and head out. Instead of going directly to his destination, he wandered a bit, driving through various neighborhoods in north-central Austin. Normally, driving around helped James think. Today, though, it wasn't doing much for him. Eventually, he found himself crossing the water south of the Capitol building and driving along South Congress. He got lucky and managed to find a parking spot right on the street, just a block past the restaurant. It was only 11 o'clock, but James had nothing else to do, so why not grab a table and something to drink? Once he got inside the restaurant, he was seated quickly. When the server came by, he was about to order his usual lunchtime Diet Coke when suddenly an impulse came over him and he ordered a mojito instead. While he waited for his mojito, he looked around at all the photographs on the walls. Many of them were people he didn't immediately recognize, but one was very clearly ex-President George W. Bush, and over there he saw two, no, three pictures of ex-President Bill Clinton. It was said that this restaurant was Clinton's favorite place for tacos, at least when he was visiting Central Texas. The server arrived with his drink. Are you ready to order? James looked around. No, I'm still waiting for someone. All right, then. I'll be back. And the server left. James continued to scan the room. He saw a sharp-dressed man with salt-and-pepper hair coming out of the restroom area. But no, he sat down at a table with three other men, all in white shirts and ties. Looking back the other direction again, toward the door, he didn't see anyone that fit his image of the mysterious Mr. Stavros. Only a young couple in shorts unstrapping a one-year-old from a stroller and a tall woman with dark red hair, wearing a black skirt suit. As James continued to look, the woman scanned the room and then locked eyes with him. Target acquired, the redhead strode purposefully toward where James sat, her heels clicking on the hard floor. The woman extended her hand. Mr. McConnell... James stared up at her for just a second, then stood up and shook her hand. Uh, yes, yes, I am. So then you must be the Ms. Stone I spoke with on the phone. Have a seat. She sat. Please, if we're going to be working together, you can start calling me Bridget. James returned to his chair and took another sip from his drink. You don't look like I imagined you did. Bridget raised an eyebrow. Oh? And what did you imagine I looked like? James had imagined someone with a perpetual frown, but Bridget seemed to be always smiling ever so slightly, like she thought something was funny, but knew you wouldn't get it. Oh, I don't know, just different. Where is your employer? My employer? Don't you mean our employer, Mr. McConnell? Please, you can call me James, and no, I don't mean our employer. The future of my relationship with Mr. Stavros is yet to be determined. Oh, I believe it's been determined. You just haven't come round to it yet. James. James opened his mouth and then closed it again. Why argue this point? He'd already made up his mind. Bridget's smile widened a touch and she raised an eyebrow. James retreated, returned to his previous tack. So where is Stavros? Bridget's smile faltered. Mr. Stavros cannot make it. His plans changed again and he's asked me to fill you in. Your employer is a busy guy. What business did you say is in? Her eyes narrowed as she considered her answer. Her partial smile returned. He does pretty much whatever he wants. 
Currently, he is working on building an online anonymous marketplace of sorts. Anonymous how? In every sense. Anonymous buyers, anonymous sellers, anonymous market makers, even a scheme for an anonymous web of trust review and verification system. James leaned forward. Wow, that's ambitious. There are a number of technological problems that would need to be solved if you wanted to build something like that that was really secure. Indeed. So far, Mr. Stavros's developers have managed to solve several such hurdles, but not all of them. Bridget leaned forward and put her hand on James's. That's where you come in. Was she flirting with him? She couldn't be. James was confused. At that moment, the server returned. Have you two had a chance to look at the menus? James quickly pulled his hand back and picked up one of the menus off the table. Um, no. Give us another minute. Bridget smiled and picked up a menu as well. The server turned to Bridget. Can I get you a drink, ma'am? Bridget looked at James's mint leaf-infused drink. I'll have what he's having. After the server left, James scanned the menu in silence. After half a minute, Bridget said, This is Mr. Stavros's favorite restaurant when he comes to Austin. James looked up. Oh, does he come often? Not predictably. He travels a lot. Actually, this week he came in part specifically to meet you. A look of frustration flashed briefly across her face. But his moods are mercurial. And he has a lot of irons in the fire at once, so to speak. Huh. Well, it sounds to me like he's got a good team working for him if he's made breakthroughs like you've implied. Why would he fly to Austin just to see me? Don't be so modest, James. Mr. Stavros read the white paper your former business partners published on man-in-the-middle attacks against encrypted communication systems. It didn't take long talking to those two to realize that you, James, were the actual brains behind their approach to defeating that kind of eavesdropping attack. You do your homework. Bridget smiled. Yes, I do. I also found out that your company never actually produced a working prototype of your Skytail device. Ah, yes. Well, our client decided to go down a more conventional road. They didn't want to spend the time and money it would take to develop my proposed solution. To be honest, I'm not entirely convinced that what I proposed is technically possible. Bridget raised an eyebrow. Oh, it is, James. James looked back at her quietly for a moment. Then, you've built a working Skytail pair, haven't you? Bridget smiled again. Well, almost. You were right. Mr. Stavros hires only the very brightest minds to work on his projects. And we had one in particular that was very bright indeed. Was? Yes, he left our employee just recently. He was very close to a working prototype, too. Why'd he leave? Bridget shook her head slightly. Personal reasons. Reasons that aren't relevant to your project. But when he left, Mr. Stavros decided that he was tired of waiting for results. He directed me to get you on board personally. James thought for a moment. Well, if your goal is to create an anonymous marketplace, then you will certainly need to find a way to protect against the kind of electronic eavesdropping Skytail is meant to prevent. Bridget reached out and again put her hand on the back of James's hand. You understand perfectly, James. So you see why we need you. James looked back at her. Yes, well, if your goal is to create an anonymous marketplace, I have to ask, Bridget withdrew her hand, what is the marketplace for? Yes. Do you believe in freedom, James? What kind of a question was that? Yes, of, of course I believe in freedom. 
But that's sort of an empty statement, isn't it? The server finally returned with Bridget's drink. Are we ready to order? Bridget looked up at the server, then back to James. Actually, I'm afraid I can't stay that long, but let me pay for the drinks. The server turned to James. How about you? James didn't have anywhere to go, so he figured he might as well stay and have lunch on his own. He ordered the tacos al pastor. After the server left, he turned back to Bridget. Look, I'll admit that I'm intrigued by the project. I would love to have the time and resources to put my ideas into practice. But right now, at this stage of my life, I'm not looking for cloak and dagger. You did your homework, so you know my wife was murdered a year ago. I need work to keep my head straight, but I don't want it to come with mysterious strings attached. I'm tired of mystery. Bridget looked at him seriously. James, I know you've had a hard year. You feel like your life has lost its purpose. Everyone I've talked to who knows you has told me that. That you need to find new purpose. James held his tongue. He was angry at her for forcing him to bring up this topic. He was uncomfortable with how much she seemed to know about him when he knew so little about her. And he was pissed off because he realized she was making sense. The server returned with the check for the two mojitos. Bridget already had her credit card ready, and the server took it right away and left. James, you're smart, you're in good shape, and you just turned 36. You still have a long life to live. Maybe this is the next step toward living it. James said nothing. Again, she was right, but it made him angry. The server brought back the credit card. Bridget smiled a little and shook her head. We're not done here, but I have to go. She signed the receipt and handed it to the server. I'm completely open to starting at seven tonight. You didn't get your promised free lunch, so let me buy you dinner. James wanted to tell her no, don't bother. But another part of him held back that impulse. Bridget stood up. As she passed behind James on her way out, she placed a hand on the back of his shoulder, leaned down, and said into his ear, Just keep an open mind. Don't decide until we meet again tonight. She straightened up and walked away. And cue, end of chapter music. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, I don't know why it would sound like that. All right, so there it is, such as it is. And uh, if this is interesting to you, then that's awesome. I'm glad I've piqued your curiosity. There will be another chapter coming out, probably not next week, but uh, almost certainly within the next two weeks. It all depends upon uh, how successful I am at writing interesting things that I think are worth talking about or finding up interesting interviews. Another project that I have for this, uh, the last couple of interviews I tried to set up, didn't quite work out from a timing standpoint, but I'll keep trying. In the meantime, I hope that you enjoyed this. If you like the Mac Frazier podcast, check out my other stuff at MacFrazier.com. Uh, there you'll find links to my YouTube channel and various posts on various nonsense that I've written and, you know, other stuff. And until then, have a great life. Bye.